You are listening to the JCN Clinic Podcast. The JCN Clinic Podcast is a place where nutritionalists Jessica Cox and Carissa Mason get real about nutrition and living a healthy life. They share with you their passion and their clinical knowledge for a fun, no BS approach to looking after yourself. Please enjoy today's episode and don't forget to subscribe and iTunes. I'm just hijacking my own podcast for a moment to let you know that for a short time I'm offering 10% off my cookbook EAT to JCN Clinic Podcast listeners using the code JCN Podcast. So head to the website, pop in that code when you go through and do your order and you'll receive 10% off. Hello and welcome to the JCN Clinic podcast show. I'm Jessica. And I'm Carissa. This week we are talking about, (laughs) and she's already lost it. (laughs) We are talking about individualised nutrition needs around training for women. If we can get through it. Carissa's a little bit delirious today, so we'll see how that rolls. Ready for holidays. (laughs) A special little shout out to someone's birthday who's coming up, actually. Oh, Paige! (laughs) (laughs) Birthday times two. Chris is away next week because um, she knows the importance of birthday week, right? Yep, 100%. Birthday week. I tell so many people that and I'm like, I'm a total princess about it now. I used to just take the day off. Now I take the week off. (laughs) It's a rite of passage. Rite of passage, absolutely. <laughs> you take a week off or definitely a good stint, don't you? You always do a few oh, days. Oh, definitely the birthday and then I try and do what yeah. I can in the week. Yeah. Around it, That's yeah. That's what I was saying to yeah. the girls at the clinic when they were like, she's taking the week off. I'm like, yeah, it's like JCN thing. But I remember when yeah. I first met you, you were like, nah, birthdays, whatever. And now it's like, yeah. no, birthday week. <laughs> <laughs> birthday week. I know. I've got so much like time to make up for. That's why. I, f- I remember all the birthdays I worked in my early 20s and stuff and where it, it just it wasn't a big thing. And then like, I met you. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> I always used to take my birthday day off, like when I was in hospitality and stuff most of the time. But yeah, now it's definitely a week. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, so good. <laughs> so, yes, we are talking about uh, nutrition around training for women specifically today, mainly as always because this is something that has come up a bit more for us. I know you were even saying when we first um, talked about doing this, you had a few clients that had come to come to your attention, and there's definitely some that I can think of of late too. So, and yeah, I think it's – no, you go. <laughs> you go. I was just going to say, yeah, I think it's a good one to cover because I think ah, there's just so much confusion about what women need as opposed to men mm-hmm. um, and what works for women through their age aging process, like what works for us in our 20s will not work for us in our 30s and our 40s and our 50s. It, it changes and how we train and eat needs to change accordingly. And I think it's really important for f- females especially to understand because I think it causes females a lot of stress when they can't just – you know, just jump back into their old habits, their old tricks that work in your 20s where you can just, you know, significantly reduce your calories and overtrain and usually drop weight. Like it mm. doesn't, once you crack 30, it's, you're dealing with a different ball game. Yeah, so for sure. And a lot of the um, research, I mean, it's getting better, but a lot of the research that's kind of built a foundation in this area has been more about 
males and training of males and it's now just really starting to explore this concept of like oh hang on they're females are a little different they have these different hormones and yeah. these cycles and we sort of want to pay a bit more respect to that today too and I think there's a really good hashtag there is a trainer that I follow online I don't watch a lot of her stuff but I do she's got a really good hashtag and I've seen other people using it it's just it's um women are not small men oh I like and it when it comes <laughs> yeah and it's really good she's actually I think she trains more women in their perimenopause and menopause I can't even remember her name now but she's she's really up to date with some of the some of the research that I have seen her put out is definitely more centered around female physiques for training mm. but she's definitely more in the fitness industry so similar to what Michelle's doing mm-hmm. um more definitely more in that space, so the more hardcore, definitely getting, you know, women prepped for, I think, photo shoots, but just training a shitty age, but to gain, get specific gains, which we'll talk about. But there's also the intermediate space for the rest of us that just want to exercise, maintain a healthy weight, maintain a healthy body mass and bone mineral density as we age. And we're not actually out to look a specific way mm. in terms of, you know, you know you know what I mean look a certain way but it's more about just healthy aging as well so there's there's a lot of different ways that you go about that but what's what we're going to bloody talk about today (laughs) well that that works well as always into sort of first area segue is really the first first segue is um individual goals because everyone respectfully has different goals when it comes to training or exercising I mean I think the word training gets used and thrown around a little bit flippantly like a you know (laughs) sort of makes it sound a little bit more serious Um, but we all are going to be getting into some form of movement well most of us um, for different sorts of reasons and depending on those reasons absolutely dictates what you may do nutritionally to support that. So there's a huge difference between, as Crystal's just saying, just wanting to be overall generally healthy and feel well versus someone moving into actually having specific physique goals and wanting to Mm. train, whether that's for like, um, you know, competing or even not competing just physique wise wanting to have like lean muscle mass um, body composition goals I think huge huge area right Mm -hmm. Um, yeah versus just fat loss Um, there's people out there that are wanting to just lean down Um, and then of course there's the whole sports nutrition space like people who obviously wanting to train specifically for different events so it's a huge like marathons half marathons yeah it is and I think that's I think that's um I think you've like separated them pretty well like I think yeah general health and just healthy aging um you know lean muscle and body composition training um and then fat loss and then like what I would call athletic or like training for events like they're so different and it's so different what your body needs Mm. nutritionally for that but it's also so different too like someone who's training for a marathon isn't training to get a booty like exactly you know or to to get like a specific body fat composition to lean muscle ratio if that makes sense Mm. like it's it's so different like endurance training is so different to composition training composition training is so different to just general health and wanting to tone up so Ah, it's a it's a bit of a minefield. So I think the first thing is people deciding what they actually want out of their training is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also de- deciding what you want is is one thing, but then understanding what it takes to achieve that is the other thing. Because I think the thing I see a lot, and I have a lot of chats with my clients, is 
whatever your fitness goals are and whatever your body like your physique goals are you have to be realistic about the work it's going to take to do that and you're not going to get and I really don't want I'm just going to start straight by jumping down this mm. one but you're not going to get a low body fat percentage with a, a higher lean muscle mass so that really beautiful toned female physique with fuck all work yeah it's, and, and, and putting 80% into your diet. Like, I'm sorry, I don't want to burst anyone's mm-hmm. bubble, but if you really want to get into, unless you're just genetically gifted in the sense, and I don't even like losing the word gifted, but some people just naturally will have a lower body fat percentage as a female. They'll just, they've got those lean, long muscles and they, you know, they naturally will maintain that as their physique without too much work. Mm-hmm. There's, but the majority of us as females, if you want that type of physique, it, it involves commitment and training and working with a coach or setting specific exercise goals and strength training goals and marrying that with a very specific type of diet. So absolutely that you know like and I, it takes work and the girls that do do it and do it well they bloody work hard at mm-hmm. it and good on them mm-hmm. but understand that if that is your goal you have to be willing to work for that yeah. and if it's not if you're not then don't whinge if it doesn't <laughs> <laughs> because I think then you've got to just decide like you know what's realistic for you and your your exercise goals and what you actually want to do and be okay with mm-hmm. that because I think you know, I think that's a big space that we work in a lot. I work with a lot of younger girls who, you know, they want specific outcomes, but they're only willing to budge on a few things to do it. And it's like, well, no, you have to do this with your diet and you have to look at this with your training and you have to have sometimes rest days. It's not flogging your body to death 24-7 to oh, get yeah. that without the proper nutrition. But anyway, whole other thing. But <laughs> Yeah, which even, and I don't want to go down this path too much today. I think we've probably, again, got other podcasts that cover it, but even when you start having a think about what your individual goals are in this space, it's it's also looking at the why behind that. Like we're, we're talking yep. specifically today about nutrition to support these different areas. However, also we want people to be coming to whatever area it is here that's on the table in a, in a positive framework. Yeah. Like we don't want you approaching like these body sculpting or, or lean muscle mass physiques from a negative relationship with yourself and as Chris was just saying sort of, yeah, yeah exactly and this sort of concept of flogging yourself and your body not being perfect or not being enough unless it looks a certain way like that's that's a whole different ball game um, which yeah. we totally acknowledge but today that's not what we're obviously talking about we're talking, we're talking about. more about this nutrition space around this yep um, yeah so, so I guess I mean, did you have more to say about that before we move um, on? I was just going to say, like, even in the in the general health space too, I think um, just from – and I think general health is where most of us sit, yeah? Like, I work with some clients that are really in the lean – like, the yeah. lean muscle gaining and the proper strength training. I definitely work a lot with clients in that space. I've got a couple of a couple of clients that are right into the Iron Man or Iron Woman. Yeah. Um, sort of Iron Woman space um, and doing triathlons, half tries, half marathons, all of that stuff. So definitely work a lot in that space. So I'm going to say for the average person like that we probably do work with, most of them are just general health. Like they want to be able to move their body. They want to be able to eat well. They want to maintain a healthy weight, you know, as they age. And I think like if, if you do sit in that category, um, that's an awesome space to sit in. It usually involves quite a healthy relationship with your body and your food as well. Um, just, you know, sitting in that space where you don't have to over-exercise or over-train or overthink things mm. is probably the probably best way to say it. Um, but you do have to move. Yeah. So we're gonna so obviously the food is such a big important part, but 
healthy aging does require moving so Mm -hmm. (laughs) as well so even if that's like don't underestimate walking or Mm. anything like that but I do say to a lot of my clients they're like like, I don't really care about looking a certain way I just want to I just want to eat well and age well I'm like yeah that's cool but you've got to move as well so Mm. we've got to find what you like and get you doing it at least three to four times a week so no that's a good point because I think the majority of women again that we see at the clinic are more in that general health space there's definitely some yeah. will come and they've got specific goals where they've worked with yeah definitely sculpting or specific fat loss goals or whatever it is but definitely general health and and mm. within that framework there's going to be a whole spectrum of different forms of exercise that women are doing whether that be anything from running to gym to walking to bike riding like you name it pilates yeah yeah Yeah. exactly but the bottom line is it's moving your body in some capacity so moving on from there the next area that we want to talk about that relates differently um, in some ways to all of these different spaces is Things like BMI, calories, scales, (laughs) some of these triggering words, (laughs) Um, measurements. um, And then we want to have a bit of a chat about even the macro. So really all these different things are about measurement tools or management tools of what's um, specifically either going on with the body, changes with the body or ways of using measurements. Even when we say macros, like that's more food-based, but they're ways of Mm -hmm. using different um, nutritional, um, let's say, measurements or applications to to gain either goals or, again, some sort of information about what's what's going on with the body. And so I think what we'll talk about, as always, as we go through these, is some of them we would put more weight on than others Mm. so firstly bmi (laughs) (laughs) they say and shuffle evenly (laughs) yeah i think bmi is kind of what started this entire podcast um bloody hell bmi for anyone who doesn't know is body mass index so it's literally a calculation by your height and your weight um that they work out i can't even remember what the exact formulation is height by body weight squared divided by body weight squared or something anyway so basically it is a very very bloody generalized health indicator Mm -hmm. as far as i'm concerned like Mm -hmm. and maybe that's because (laughs) just sit shy of the overweight section so I'm biased (laughs) but but it actually is like BMI is something that is just used by the mainstream metric hospital system Mm. when they're looking at how tall a person is and how much they weigh and whether or not they fit on a sliding scale of underweight Mm. um you know healthy weight overweight obese morbidly obese and depending what your number that you end up with is will dictate where you sit on that scale now Where that scale falls short is it really doesn't calculate um, muscle mass or body fat percentage or bone density or bone weight. Mm. Um, And we're all, when you kind of even just, excuse me, I need to (coughs) cough. Um, When you have a few people lined up side by side, like you could have six people lined up side by side that are all 70 kilos or ballpark, you know, 69 to Mm. 71 kilos depending on how tall they are, how much muscle mass they have, you know, whether they're thick boned or thin boned. I know that sounds crazy, but 
it's that none of that is taken into consideration with BMI. And like, even if you were to put a footballer who weighed, you know, 71 kilos into that thing, who's lean as fuckery, but is just a pure muscle ball machine. Who's the same, you know, like he's probably going to sit in the overweight section because he's just pure muscle, you know, or someone who's a wrestler. So I think the BMI thing, it, it is a very vague indicator of health. It definitely is useful in the hospital setting. I think more when we're talking about obese, oh, sorry, obese and morbidly yeah, obese, yeah. but still I think there's just so much more that needs to be taken into consideration yeah. when you're talking about someone's overall health and whether or not the, that BMI is accurate or not for someone yeah. in terms of as a health indicator. 100% agree. Yeah, mate, I think it's so rudimentary and it's probably at its best use for those extreme ends of the scales as far as like yeah yeah, as you just said like overweight more like obesity versus like severely Mm. underweight but for across the board whether it's particularly we're talking again about from general health right through to these other aspects using bmi as an important measurement of where you're at is really not ideal. I think that we would very much be putting it at the bottom of the pile as far as um, yeah, I think a, so. a, a tool of measurement. <laughs> um, <laughs> calories are a big can of worms. We've done a whole Huge. podcast on calories and boy, did we freaking ruffle some feathers back in the day when yep. we did that. So yeah, we did. I'll pop that in the show notes where we talked a lot about calories. However, <clears throat> in the context of what we're talking about today um calories definitely a part of the story i always say to clients like we're not completely saying they don't count of course they count but they're they're one part of many when it comes to what's happening metabolically with your body and how your body is responding but they are something that we do use in clinic and i know that um I'm pretty sure, I guess Chris and I have had conversations about it in the past, mm. we tend to probably put more weight, um, pardon the pun, on the use of calories. I was about to say, a good word to use. <laughs> when we start to deal with women as they're ageing and yep. also there will be more um, of a sort of deeper dive into calories when we start seeing women dealing more with um, lean body mass, fat loss and particularly moving the physique towards a certain sort of um, aesthetic. Uh, I know, again, yeah. you mentioned with Michelle and what she does, if, if people are like, who, who's this Michelle I keep referring to? <laughs> Michelle is an amazing <laughs> PT that used to actually work at JCN with us and now she's gone out and she's doing her PT stuff. And I know with what she, with what she does and work with women, like calories is, is one part of the important factor there because it does, yeah. it does have absolutely an effect on our um what yeah on on what we're taking in versus a surplus versus a deficiency state and depending on how the body is receiving that and if it doesn't have any other metabolic blocks that can be a really good way to essentially manipulate um in a holistic whole food way the diet yeah Um, the diet and then yeah agreed so yeah I know, yeah, again, I, I find that from a nutritional point of view in clinic, I've found that when you start to work with calories a little bit more, it tends to be more for those women where you're happy that there's nothing 
majorly going on gut wise there's no major hormonal blocks that are happening although i mean that's something else we can talk about as we start to talk about women aging because there's a whole other component Mm. there but once i'm i'm confident there's no other major contributing factors going on metabolically uh, using calories um can actually be a, a tool whether it's around I say, I guess, general health, but I think only if even from a general health point of view, it's important for someone to start to shift a little bit of that fat mass that they may not be comfortable with. So I don't know, what are your thoughts? Yes, pretty much bang on. Like I think, yeah, like obviously anyone who wants to listen to our calorie podcast can go back and listen to it. But like the concept of calories being the be all and end all when it comes to weight loss just needs to also be debunked because there's so much more for women with maintaining a healthy weight that needs to be considered. And yes, calories are part of that equation, but they're not the be all and end all. And I totally understand that people will say, well, if you just put someone in a calorie deficit for six months, um, an extreme calorie deficit for six months, they will lose weight. I have no, seen yeah. that happen and I have seen that also not exactly. work. So, and I think that's where people, there needs to be a greater understanding of the female physique and what happens under times of intense pressure and metabolic stress. And when, and this is where Jess and I, I guess, get our feathers ruffled mm-hmm. a bit when people will tell us, well, just go on a calorie deficit and this person will lose weight or calories are the only thing that matters because A, not all calories are created equal as we've discussed in our other podcasts. But for the female physique, as she ages, if you stress her out, mm-hmm. Or there's other metabolic system factors at play, like a, dis- a disrupted gut, a potential adrenal fatigue, a subclinical thyroid, anything like that. And you throw the female body into a calorie deficit or a carb-restricted calorie deficit, which is more often the case. The body sees that as a stress response and the adrenals and brain have a little chat and they say to the thyroid, fuck this, let's power down. And when the thyroid decides to power down, the automatic response from that is weight storage and fat storage as a protective mechanism for the female body. Because if she's still of her reproductive years and her aging, she's going to try and protect what she needs to do biochemically and that is release eggs so so there's this whole big hormone synergy and it's not as simple as that and it's not always as bang on as that like there's other things like a female may still get a period but her thyroid starts to slow down because her adrenals are stressed out so the whole theory of the calorie just throw someone into a calorie deficit even if it's a beautiful macronutrient balanced calorie deficit if you have not addressed those underlying things first the chances of it working or working long term for someone are not as optimal or probably not going to happen and that's why you know like i definitely work a lot with my females in our age demographic with calories and calorie controlled diets once we've sorted out their gut We've sorted out their hormones and we know what's going on and then we'll chat about mm-hmm. where we want them to sit in, in terms of a calorie deficit to match the type of training that they're doing to a, achieve a certain aesthetic outcome mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, fat loss and lean muscle and lean muscle gain. I have a couple of clients at the moment that I honestly have arguments with over this. Like they want me to put them into a calorie deficit and I'm telling them that they're not ready, but they are absolutely, they don't want to do it any other way. And I'm like, fine, you want to do this for four months. I'm totally not saying it's going to work, but if you want to give it a crack, I don't think your adrenals are ready for this. But, you know, like, so if we do work with our clients and we do have these crazy conversations around calories because I think as women and especially women, you know, in I think the women in the 
55 to 55 age demographic, we have been so attuned that calories are the be all and end all. And just sometimes even shaking that mindset for women is so hard, like to, and to, for them to consider that there's other things that need to be addressed. But mm-hmm. You know, like, but the majority of majority of my clients, like, yeah, once we've sorted their gut out and we've done everything, it's just a matter of then getting the calories right, getting the exercise right, and yep, fat loss happens. Yeah, so true. It's like it's a, it's another sort of end of the line mechanism. Like we're not ruling it out, but it's like when we talk about other health areas and how we also always talk about the gut, and if you've got that gut issue and that inflammation there we're going to start there first before we dive into your hormones or before we do this mm. this is like again it's like next it's like we're not going to go into working with a calorie deficient diet when you've got all of this us all this other stuff going on that you've just highlighted and nah. um absolutely i think <coughs> oh. <laughs> oh, Shh, buggy Shush. hang on hang on two sets hang on Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> She's so loud when she barks too. It scares yeah, I know, the crap out of me. Oh, she does it when I'm chatting to clients and like, cause she sits right beside me. If she s- sees someone out the front and like, she just barks, I like jump out of my seat and cause my clients can see me on the Zoom. They just start laughing at me. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Anyway. Um, anyway, yeah, I was, I was half listening before <laughs> Psycho went off. Yeah, I think when the the other thing that has really frustrated us from what we see physically in, in clinic and i know right back when we did that podcast on calories we really ruffled feathers of a particular dietitian that was just like hounding mm. the clinic but the thing is we see as you said like these women who are on these deficient calorie starved diets at both ends of the spectrums who mm. are seeing no results i is even someone that i can think of straight at the moment um there's actually not a client of mine through someone i'm mentoring who is just so hell-bent on wanting to lose weight and needing to do it from a sporting capacity and everyone around her she's only she's young and they're just like drop your calories mm. further drop your calories further to dangerous yeah, so levels scary. and even though she's already dropped them she's she's not losing weight she's getting sicker and sicker and they're just like you need to drop more you need to drop more like because again there's no respect there to like how could you imagine how stressed out her poor mm. little body would be with the amount of training and the stress that's going on so yeah you know it's yep it's I've a, got I've got a couple at the moment as well like just and I'm just like oh and even just just even with the training and the and the lack of carbs and just yep. like the calorie deficit and the lack of carbs and just the stress that that puts on the adrenals yep. and the thyroid if you're a adrenally thyroid thyroid driven female and look some women aren't some women can mm naturally just drop their drop their calories down um they can drop their carbs down they can train and gain lean muscle mass and it does work for them for a period of time but it's you know again that is sometimes very short term um but the majority and then there's a rebound effect but the majority of women it just doesn't work from the get-go because we're not we're not designed to be put under that amount of pressure Mm. from all angles like calorie deficits carb 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 deficient high intensity muscle or interval interval training or strength training or anything like that like it's just the female physique is not designed no. for it at, at long term and, the term whole, and as you pre- said too which we'll get to like with horm- with hormones with with these calorie 
deficits like that have no no break and the car like the carbs that are so low you see you see over and again particularly with women who where it's just about general health and they're just doing their their gym sessions and their their sort of workouts at home it's still enough if they're in these like consistent deficits and they've gotten into some um sort of trendy fasting or whatever it might be layered on top and and before you know it you know a month or so in that things are happening with like their hormones where they're getting crazy PMS symptoms and their cycles Mm. getting erratic and they're just like why am I so angry and agitated like Mm. the female body (laughs) needs because you're hungry (laughs) (laughs) needs nourishment and it needs support for what it goes through on a daily basis let alone like what you're asking it to do from like an exercise and training point of view Mm. so I I was going to say, I think the other thing, the other concept that's really interesting is how we're trained to think about calories and it's just a a day in, day out thing that your body resets itself every day. So if you just stick to, let's just say the stock standard 1200 calories a day for five days a week and you're you're overtraining and you're essentially, Mm. you're starving your body and then you hit your weekend and you're like, well, these are my cheat days in air quotes, but these are my days where I'll just eat whatever I want. And you go out and you have your drinks on the weekend and you have all your food or even just have one cheat day where you might eat 3,000 calories and Saturday's a bit more of a relaxed day. It doesn't just reset at the end of every day and then you can go back to that. So where I see a lot of women getting really frustrated because they think that their diet, in air quotes, isn't working because they're like, I starve myself all Mm. week and then on the weekends I just do this and I'm training five days a week. But when you actually look at your calories, and this is where calories can just be looked at quite simply, if there's even if there's nothing else metabolically going on and you're quite healthy, but if that's the mindset that you're in, when you actually break your calories down, let's just say over a 12-week period, you're probably just sitting in maintenance calories, mm. not a deficit because of your blowouts on the weekend. So, And then you think your training's not working and it creates this vicious cycle of, well, I've tried this and it didn't work and it creates the yo-yo dieting sort of backwards and forwards with starving and restricting and then binging. Mm-hmm. On the, it's, just, it's such a negative cycle to just solely look at calories alone as the only thing to to achieve health and healthy weight because even the cycle of how women are trained to think about calories is flawed in itself mm-hmm. because we're not even told to think about them as a totality of what you're actually doing across a 6 to 12 to 16 yeah. to 6 month period. Yeah, all the concept so, of like you said all calories are different like let, let yeah. alone like okay let's think about it beyond a calorie like let's talk about it yeah. what it means as opposed to food and different types of food. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, we'll refer to that particular podcast in show notes <laughs> so we don't get pulled down that rabbit hole. Um, scales and measurements. This is another interesting one. Um, ever since we've had the JCN clinic, we have never had a set of scales in there. And every now and again, a client, will, particularly an initial client, will just be quite surprised. We don't have scales and we haven't weighed them. We don't have them there for a reason. (laughs) A lot of the mental, emotional load we've just been talking about and the negative Mm. relationships. And really, I, I say scales and measurements together because scales very much, I think, go back to what Chris was saying about BMI. Like you can put you know, three to four people onto scales who are around the same height um, and I won't say around the same weight, but look <laughs> look around, you know, the sort of, sort of range, same size and they're going to pop on those scales. They're all going to present differently, particularly if you've yeah. got someone who doesn't move versus someone that trains, someone does a lot of weightlifting, like muscle mass weighs more. And also... Yeah. 
we yo-yo up and down a lot just hormonally with fluctuations with fluid and women essentially using scales as a marker for yeah fat loss and weight loss can be a really slippery slippery slope (laughs) or mind fuck yes (laughs) whereas measurements i think if if you're wanting to see specifics and i guess you know with measurements this would be something i would either be seeing more a client using who was um looking at lean muscle gains fat loss um maybe who someone with with particular sorts of training some of my clients that if they're in general health but they they do want to shift some weight and they want to see some marker of gain i'm going to be pushing them more towards measurements i'm going to be like get out a yeah, tape measure I, and i do that yeah. i do the 100 percent same thing because i'm like then once you if you are training for to let's just yeah. say tone up because that's the favorite thing that most, most of us females say we want to do when we start a training adventure yeah. or a strength training adventure we're like we want to tone up cool don't sit there and weigh yourself every week because if you're eating, if you're eating the way you're meant to be eating and you're training the way you're meant to be training, your scales may not change, but your composition mm. changes and that's what matters. Yeah. So I always say to my clients, like, weigh yourself if you want to, but you might sit at 70 kilos and you might stay at 70 kilos or you might just drop down to 68 mm. over a 12 to 16 week period. Not really a big mm-hmm. deal because I guarantee you are dropping body fat and gaining lean muscle. Yeah. Muscle weighs more than fat. Yeah. So do your measurements. And a lot of times people will realize like, oh, I've lost two centimeters around my arms and I've lost six centimeters around my waist and my clothes feel loose amount. but and then my other question is how are you feeling oh. despite what that stupid number on the scale says yeah, how do you feel how in you your actually clothes? feel how do you feel yeah. in your clothes how do you feel in yourself yeah. and they're like oh actually I feel got good I feel strong I feel more mentally positive fucking beauty yeah. piss the scales off Please. oh my god the conversation I've like made clients bury their scales in the backyard I've done it all I fucking love but that but even like working we don't do so much of this now but in the early days we used to work pretty closely with some some gyms in in Brisbane city and and some of the PTs there would run their like classic sort of eight week challenges and your clients would be taking their weight and their measurements along the way. And then by the end, um, she's used to see some fascinating stats. I can remember one mm-hmm. of my clients who, who won the, she was determined to win and she did. But by the end on like the scales, I think she had told her she'd lost like one or two kilos. Like it was so insignificant, but her yep. measurements were astounding. And she yeah. looked so... She looked different physically. You could see the change in her body. But, you know, like you just said, we're talking about, she was so happy. She was stoked that she'd won. She went mm. in just like, I'm going to beat them all. <laughs> she had to, just this. But, you know, you couldn't see more of an opposite end of scale than yeah. literally that that weight versus those measurements. So absolutely chalk yeah. and cheese. So the, the scales yeah. are just shit. I, I really yeah, hate I them. even know when... Oh, I hate them as well because I even know when I do strength training, like not that I've been able to do anything with my back for like the last sort of six months, like I drop weight with cardio. Like I actually do. I don't like at the moment, even just bike riding and stuff like I and running, I drop weight like on on scales, like not that I weigh myself heaps, but on scales, I'll drop weight and I can see it in me too. Like I definitely, I lean out with cardio, which most, most people do. Um, and then if I do strength training, like when I can get back into a gym and do like three to four strength sessions a week or when I was doing fit stop, like I actually put on weight yeah. on the scales, but I lean down. Yeah. It's a total, my body physique is so different with, if I'm doing pure cardio versus weight. You should. So at the moment, you should. And you should. That's just like but, literally yeah. muscle mass. Yeah. But if you know, like if I, if I jump on the scales and let's just say like I'm up to 
66 or 67 kilos when I'm strength training, I still know like my clothes actually fit me, like they're looser, but if, but because luckily, like I know what I know, but for a lot of women, they'd be like, I've been strength training and I'm just gaining weight. And it's like, well, you're losing size, but gaining muscle. Mm. It's so different. So exactly. yeah. yeah. So what about macros? So when we, ah, what about we macros? talk a lot about <laughs> macronutrient balance and when we're talking about that, we're talking about carbs, proteins, fats, but macros are also a big space and I think they're getting even I don't know I feel like having a bit of a day or or having a bit of a a fashion moment um but they are they definitely are an important aspect um as far as making sure you're getting enough as always we always go on about your your carbs proteins and fats but I think I think it's hard to put more weight in certain areas than others but one. Well, I think like the I think it cha- it it's matters depending change, on what you're yeah. doing as well. Exactly. Like it changes. I even I even know for me like obviously like I I bloody love tracking my macros. I don't really care about fat because yeah. I just I'm so liberal with that. But I love tracking my proteins to my carbs yeah. when I'm doing training. But also just how that changes with the different types of training I find mm-hmm. really interesting. Um, and and the diff- even the different types of endurance. Like if I'm just doing light cardio, I can back everything right down and just keep my protein up. But if I'm doing more endurance cardio, like let's say I'm getting up to some of my bigger runs when I could run with my back um, or I'm doing like longer bike rides or anything like that, carbs really have to play a massive part. Weight training, I always find like weight training, I have to be so much more onto my food. Like, you know, cardio, I feel like you get a bit of leeway to drop the ball a little bit. But weight training, like when you're doing proper strength training and stuff like that, like I feel like you have to be so much more onto your protein yes, and your carbs. Exactly. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And that's otherwise, you just fucking yeah, fade. It depends. <laughs> and that's the thing. That's where it can hugely depend. And I would also say it would come down to, again, the, the goals that we talked about earlier. Because if mm. it's just general health, like you still want to be on top of your macros and you still yeah, want to make 100%. sure you're getting enough protein so you're not ending up in a sort of deficient state because if you are doing a lot of weight training you're not getting enough protein then you're going to start breaking down your own muscle mass and it's then you end up then the fatigue that can come with that like it's just you know we want to keep you on top of that as a baseline but if you are also wanting to get lean muscle mass and tone up like that's another step again where the protein mm. importance is, is really specific, but not yeah. forgetting the importance of the carbohydrates to work alongside that. Um, and still the importance of the fat, because I feel like the fat kind of gets left behind and and particularly mm. for the age bracket we're talking about before, it will often be thought of like less is better, but the importance of that for supporting hormones and inflammation and all of the things as far mm. as um, that synchronicity of those macronutrients. So they're going, they're definitely going to be a little skewed depending on your overall goals. And I guess the question would be about like, well, what do you guys mean? Like, what do you mean when you're talking about having enough of this and enough of that? And I find that like, that's where it's important to speak with someone like and be able mm. to whether it is a nutritionist or if it is if you are training with more specific goals having someone that you can work with who someone like Michelle yeah who really understands <laughs> the importance of nutrition and respects the female body and a lot of what we've been talking about today that can help you work out what that looks like for you yeah. in um respectfully 
So... I just think even in that space where we're on it, not to plug the shit out of Michelle, but I think she is a really good example. (laughs) (laughs) A really good example of a trainer who who respects the female body and really knows what the fuck she's doing is I have a lot of my clients or definitely a few of my clients that have trained with her. And just for a ballpark, like she spends, I think the first, I don't know how many weeks, but she will actually just put someone on a maintenance calorie Mm. diet and get them training just to see what they do. Do you know what I mean? So she like to observe how their body responds, which I think is really important then strips the calories back to get the lean muscle mass Mm -hmm. gains and the body fat percentage dropping. And she's probably laughing at me right now going, Chrissy, you're explaining this so fucking badly, (laughs) but soz Michelle, you know that I have good intentions. (laughs) But but I know that I've got even just one of my clients who's also a good friend of mine who she – for her, she just didn't do well on the lower calories, like the low, the, and it wasn't even that low. It was just low, lower than what she was having. And yeah. her and I have discussed this since because for some females, the calorie deficit that you need to get your gains, in air quotes, but short term sometimes just doesn't even work for some mm. females based on their inflammatory status, their adrenal capacity. And, that, and we've had good talks about that, like even just me and my friend, who's also a client who also trains with Michelle (laughs) because she's had to go back up, not to maintenance calories, but meet a middle ground Mm. there where she can train without feeling like she's ending up with some sort of, you know, adrenal fatigue because she's got an active autoimmune condition. Like there's just so many things that you need to factor in when it comes to this. And I think that's why it is so important. Even if you are really healthy and you want to do this type of training that you've got to listen to your body. If you're fucking flawed and your period's changing or they're, they're warning signs, they're subtle warning signs from your beautiful little female body saying i'm tired please do something different yeah. like exactly. so or yeah i'm stressing out please do something yeah. different and you need a trainer that will accommodate that and if you're working if you are working with a trainer or you're doing trying to do this yourself um and you're seeing some of these things that we're talking about happening like obviously something's not in balance correctly and yeah. really with these three macros you know you your carbohydrate should be that more dominant part of the pie chart as well like you you shouldn't be working with someone that's pushing you to be in a position where those carbs like if you look i say a pie chart because often that's sort of what you'll be viewing Mm. where those carbs are ending up in more of a sort of smaller fraction than your protein um which is usually the way it would go over the fat (laughs) do you want to know what my my pie chart always looks like that's what mine is (laughs) yeah if you ever go into my fitness cow <laughs> Mine's like I just laugh at mine because I just I'll just set my protein and my carb goals that I want and then I change it depending on how I feel based on the training that I'm doing. So mine's not more for goals specifically. Mine's more because I want to be able to train at the level that I like to train at without feeling fatigued. Yeah. And because I feel fatigued so easily based on my adrenals, I have to be so careful of that. So I play around with my proteins and my carbs. And once I've got that set for whatever type of training I'm doing for that couple of months and I change my mind all the time, but then I'm pretty happy. But I always chuck my fat in as well when I'm tracking for a few weeks and I look at my pie chart. <laughs> It's like fat, 78% of the graph. No, it's not that bad, but it's bloody no, up there. It's mine's, so, mine's the same. So funny. It gives you like so little warnings as you're adding food. And I usually like, yeah. as soon as I put breakfast in, it's throwing me warnings about my fat intake. I'm like, kiss off my so fitness So is mine. So is mine. The same. Like, you've just hit your daily protein goal. Yay. The, um, the last oh, thing so that I wanted just to touch on was with the protein is that there are – there are sort of kind of 
what we call them, little like equations that are out there. Mm. They're going to vary depending on your needs. And I think this is where it's important. If, if this is something that you want to work on, where having the right guidance is important because you'll look up, you know, sort of standard guidelines around like, you know, zero, zero anywhere from 0. 0.7 at the absolute lowest, but around 0. 0.9 times um, your weight. That's right. Body is that weight, your yeah. body weight for a minute yeah. I baked out. But as Which soon as you start so exactly as soon as you start training as well, um, and even if you are just general health hitting the gym versus, you know, pushing further, that's gonna significantly increase. Like significantly. Yeah. And you wanna have a really good guide of what works for you there. So as soon as you kind of can work with that, you can get a feel for what works for you. So just, you know, again, the interest. Yeah. The interesting thing I always find with that is when I do my macros workshops yeah. and I talk to people about protein requirements for women as they're aging. So the three to their thirties, forties and into their fifties, I'm going to say the majority of women don't hit their protein I requirements agree. for yeah. like, and I think the, the RDI or is it the RDI, whatever is way too fucking low yeah. and needs to be revised because most women are training three times yeah. a week, whether it be walking Pilates or going to the gym mm-hmm. and not, and the vast majority of them aren't hitting their protein mm-hmm. requirements. So I say just instead of giving people like a uh, body weight times 1.1 number, yeah. like a one point whatever number, I just say like if you're ballpark 60 kilos, mm-hmm. like let's just say 60 kilos, I just say chuck 20% on top just for maintenance yeah. in terms of grams. So if you're 60 kilos, you probably want to be hitting 80 grams of protein a day. Mm-hmm just as maintenance through through your diet. And if I say to most women, I'm like, who thinks they hit 80 grams of protein today? And half of them put their hands up. And I'm like, how do you hit that? And they're like, well, I have a piece of chicken and that's 100 grams. I'm like, 100 <laughs> grams of chicken's about 30 grams of protein. Yeah. What's next? And they're all mind blown yeah, yeah. because, you know, two eggs is realistically about 15 grams of yeah. protein. So if you're just doing two eggs for breakfast, a piece of chicken and just salad and getting some grains out of your carbs and maybe you know, maybe a plant-based dinner or something, you're probably hitting 50 grams of protein across a day and that's not enough. So, you know, and especially for like most of us who are trying to be more conscious in terms of fiber and eating plant-based, which is a great thing, then you've really got to, it sounds complicated, but you've really got to start factoring your protein requirements the more plant-based you want to be. And it is, makes it a bit harder to hit when you're training. So, yeah, no, so true. A, well, that's what we yeah. want to talk about next is exactly that, like nutrition as far as how it does change. And mm. particularly, yeah, with, with, I guess, these demands, but also as we age, because the protein, the protein one's huge because as, as we age, we are getting more degeneration and particularly our collagen is unfortunately mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, not as productive as we'd like it to be. These requirements are going up and what we see in our culture is that actually protein intake tends to to lower as people age. And and interestingly, I, I see this happens a lot with even gut function um, where we have people getting older and if they don't have good gut function, they tend to they'll hear people will say, oh, I just feel like I don't want to eat as much meat anymore. It feels really heavy. It gives me heartburn. I just, I'm just not so interested and... They start just eating less. I've seen my parents do this and I've had to like get right up them. Um, Just eating more, just simple carbohydrates and kind of, you know, having your kind of not having a proper lunch, having your toast for breakfast and then lunch might just be coming and get a cup of tea and a biscuit. It's just like... A biscuit, yeah, I know. know? It's almost like that. um, It's like that. It's not like obviously... 
as full on as it gets as they, people get even older, but it's like that tea and toast. Like yeah, it just yeah. becomes so much easier to have simple carbs just to fuel you enough to keep you going. Yep. But there's really, it's so new, get become, can easily become so nutritionally devoid. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. So there's, there's definitely, as we age, these higher requirements um, or I think if, yeah, I, I think a higher requirement definitely for your collagen, but definitely yep. to be on top of your protein. And then yep, hormonally for women as we age them, we're dealing with like obviously going peri into menopause and changes with hormones. And this is where to sort of reflect back onto what we were talking about earlier with how we can start to work with macros and calories a little bit more. Mm. Um, I know you, you're the same as myself. Once we have a, a client who's in this more peri or menopausal state and we're dealing with hormones that are making it a little bit harder to shift weight, as long as we know mm. we've dealt with their gut, we know they're not adrenally in problems, that HPA axis is okay, we know there's no thyroid issues, now we're like, okay, cool, let's start looking at what we can do with your macros and your yeah. whole food sort of calorie picture because it is yep. going to be a little bit harder for you to shift weight because of your lower estrogen status. And that, that yep. can be a really cool space to work with women um, and start to see some results there. Yeah, and this is where training really does matter. And I, mm. think, I think the hardest thing for women in, in, the, in that age demographic, you know, that we, that we work in is that you... <laughs> The, the more work we have to do, even from a, a, weight, a weight loss or a fat loss and a lean muscle gain point of view, it does take a lot more time. Like we have to be respectful of, you know, the, almost the decade of, that we're in of our lives, um, you know, and what we, what we could do as females in our 20s and early 30s, we can't do in our late 30s and 40s. It just doesn't work the same way. Like you can't metabolically just starve the female body, which we all did in our 20s. We just eat less and train more and usually drop weight pretty easily. Like it was an easy thing to do. There's a big hormone shift in our 30s. There's another one in our late 30s coming into our 40s. And and of course, there's another one, you know, as the perimenopause years go, there's that beautiful drop, so again, <laughs> 40s into the 50s when menopause actually does occur. And for, fuck off. <laughs> well, I'm trying to say something important. <laughs> and for, for women trying to shift weight um, in those years, it is, it is significantly harder and it takes a lot more commitment the more work you have to do. So it's not going to be like 12 weeks, we're going to give you when everything else is working well, we're going to give you 12 weeks of a calorie controlled diet or a calorie deficit diet with the right type of training. And you're going to go from 75 kilos down to 65 kilos where you Mm -hmm. were in your early 30s. I have to be realistic with my clients and say like, look, like we can start getting you to tone up. We'll get you to do your measurements. Um, we'll see, we can definitely build lean muscle mass, but this is not a 12 week oh, game. No. Like this is a, this is a lifestyle game now. And we want to yep. give you something that is going to work, but you have to do the work and stick at it as well. Because I even know myself, like being so estrogen driven as a female, like I have to like, not, I'm not saying I have to work at keeping like my body into a healthy shape and stuff, but I, I so easily can put on weight the minute I'm not exercising and, you know, just all the little things because I know genetically how I'm driven. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, even for me, like I'm so conscious of myself coming into my perimenopause years because I'm, you know, 37 <laughs> on Monday, but coming into my... <laughs> 
<laughs> but I'm just so conscious because I know so much about my body already from the hormone point of view because I do so much work with her. Um, and But I'm so respectful of the fact that I know I'm going to have to be onto this for my, my – and most women should be, like just for health in general. But I'll just use myself as an example. Like I know like if I don't pay attention to this for me, like I could quite easily, you know – gain 10 or 15 kilos over my perimenopause Mm -hmm. years i know what the other females you know in my family genetically you know where they've put on weight so i'm and i'm very aware of my own body i know what she does under times of stress i know what my adrenals are like i know what my thyroid's like i know what my estrogen Mm -hmm. does so even for me like strength training and maintaining a really healthy diet for the next 15 years of my life is going to be the most important thing i do because that's going to be the best thing i can do to maintain a healthy weight and keep inflammatory processes under control but if you're someone who hasn't started on the forefoot, mm-hmm. you know, and you're you get to 45 or 47 or even your early 40s, and you've you know you've had kids and you've just been super busy, and you're now wanting to get into your health, but you are 15 kilos heavier than where you want to be, understand that it's it's a process and it's a commitment to for us to help you work through this. It's not something that happens in 12 mm-hmm. weeks, and you're going to be back to your you know pre-baby or 35 year old self weight or 25 year old self weight. It's about being realistic with what your body can handle, what she can do, and how we go about mm-hmm. this to get you to something that you know is achievable. Exactly. So and realistic. So and the importance, obviously, because it's what we're talking about today, but with this time of our lives, is the movement itself. Like you just yeah. to to expect, particularly for for women in this stage, to just make these changes with the food alone is a lot harder. Like in yeah. in this in this stage of life, I I find that the training or the exercise or the movement or whatever you want to call it for women is really imperative i see it with clients so all the time and even the type of training like realistically like the the weight bearing training is bloody amazing and the other thing i would say for women at this time is also the sort of stretching um and the movement of the body as well because as as we age too things are going to stiffen up and whether it's just general stretching or yoga or Pilates, <laughs> like whatever that jam is, Jesus, it makes a difference. So, and I am learning that the hard yes. way, everyone. I have to do this. <laughs> I have fought with Jess over this for years that I do not need to do yoga and stretching and Pilates, and here I am, and I have to do it. So, <laughs> cocky thirty-year-old Carissa argued with Jess till she was blue in the face about this. <laughs> 37 year old Carissa with a back with a back thing going on is now like fuck I should have started doing this years ago (laughs) so lastly and again we've probably covered this in in some other podcasts but we I want to touch on it here is with the nutrition component um around around the different forms of exercise and training is the hormonal space so for women we we said it right at the start we're not men um we're going each month to have these fluctuations in what's going on with our cycle and changing up and being respectful of your type of training and how much you're expending and expecting your body to do within your cycle is one thing but then there's also your nutrition around that time too Mm. with respect to that and i guess they're going to well i guess they're going to come hand in hand because 
realistically, when you're in that sort of um, just finished menstruation, going into that follicular phase leading up to ovulation is where you're going to have like your more robust energy. A lot of women will feel like they sort of train their best then. They've got more to give. Um, and Literally me this morning. Yeah. <laughs> and most, because of that, from a nutritional point of view or a food point of view, if you're expending more, you're probably going to find that you're um, – wanting more even appetite wise and, and and sort of feeding feeding the beast as such of what you're expending <laughs> whereas as you you know there's, there's sort of some interesting things that will happen from here of course from ovulation going into that luteal phase and as things start to kind of prime up ready for menstruation it's more of a time where your body will start to tell you okay can we just like back it off a little bit here particularly as yeah. we're getting close to actually getting our period a couple of days or so out like your body's usually going to start to tell you oh geez that was a little bit harder that session oh god and even your brain like just waking up in the morning it's you know yeah. it's just like you know what i actually don't feel like going for that run this morning like me i just feel like doing nothing or just doing some yoga and getting in in touch with that and being respectful of that now the nutrition alongside that if you i feel like there's two sides to this one is that if you're not expending as much then maybe just naturally of course you're not going to be as um as hungry or, or wanting as as higher amounts um across the board from a calorie or, or macro point of view however it's also a time where hormonally mm. where potentially you know a lot of women will feel in this phase because of what's going on with their hormones just driven higher appetite because you are about to get your period or you have your have, and then yeah. that can set up this whole emotional mental feedback space mm. where it's just like oh but I'm not moving my body as much and I don't feel like I've exercised enough to like be able to like enjoy eating more food and why am I oh. so hungry and oh you know that sort of yeah oh I've eaten all this extra food so I need to go and train yeah. my ass off right before I'm about to get my period like it's just oh no, I'm like the laziest sloth in the few days leading up. Well, I'm not. I still move, but I just literally walk unless I feel like oh, I could go for like a short bike ride or something like that. But yeah, I just think I pretty much plan my life around my period cycle mm. and not in a bad way, but just to be respectful of, again, what my, my, I've learned about my body and what she needs. Yeah. Like my follicular phase, like I will overbook my clinic days, like not overbook them, but I don't mind filling them up because mm -hmm. I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be full of energy and pumping and, you know, I've got all of that and I definitely do my bigger, I'll back, I can do more back to back, you know, riding days or big walk days or I can't run at the moment, but you know, that sort of stuff. But then I know coming down in just after I've ovulated that, that next week I can be okay, mm -hmm. but I definitely know the week leading up to my period cycle. I just back everything off yep. if I wake up and I'm tired. I don't go for a big, I don't do much exercise. I'll just go and move my body. Like what you were saying, I'll do some stretching. And interestingly, how do you feel when you come up to your period? I'm always less hungry. I'm less like, hungry. That's why I was kind of like, it depends yeah, on how you feel. Everyone's I, I'm, different. I'm yeah. less hungry. Um, and then when I, even when I get my period, I don't get that ravenous hunger. I would say same. through that no, whole time, for me, I'm dialed down in my hunger and I'm yeah, more same. ravenous throughout the rest of the cycle is where I'll have Same. it. So, yeah. But I wonder if that's because we're quite attuned to our bodies and our training, mm. like our period, like the hormone. Like I don't get a lot of sugar cravings leading up to my period cycle like some people do, but then I also know that's because – you know, yeah, I just think there's there's some warnings with your PMS too as to, you know, some signs that your hormones need work. Yep. 
but some people are everyone obviously is so different but yeah like three or four days and the first two days of my period like I could almost take or leave some meals which is not like yeah, exactly. I just, it's more like I, but that's again because I kind of just eat because I know I have to but also again with respect to what we're saying because you're slowing down and I'm the same I'm, mm. I'm generally slowing down like my your body yeah. is just like okay I don't I don't want to go and do a big session at the gym like I don't feel up to yeah, it like I correct. might I might go for a walk in the sun or, or whatever it is, but it's generally you're in a slower um, output of energy space. So it just makes sense that you just, you don't need to be like you eating as that much. Extra, yeah, agreed. Okay. Yeah, and I think I think that's really interesting with respect to going back to what we're talking about where there can be this obsession around I've got to have this amount of calories and I've got to have my macros, you know, this is, it's all got to be this because this is what my little pie chart is telling me every day and this is what my trainers told me I've got to do. So, yeah, yeah it's just, I think the big thing we want to point out here is that your nutrition is going to change throughout the month based on your output. And that makes sense that it's going to follow a really synergistic kind of bi- almost like so sometimes I almost feel like it's like a bi-weekly thing where you're kind of from follicular phase to luteal phase or and then of course when, when you have your period itself. So it, having this like ups and downs and ebbs of flow with your appetite throughout this time absolutely makes sense and not beating yourself yeah. up because you don't respond like a robot every day with what you want to yeah. eat and consume or respond like a male yeah 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 <laughs> same thing that doesn't have a uterus doesn't have a uterus oh here we go they're having a dog blow at the fence now oh god but yeah no i think yeah and i think too like i don't think it's weird like i know oh, so i can't remember who it was that commented it was a while ago when i was just making a joke how i do plan my life around my cycle and, um, you know, it's not to a T, but I'm just, I always like, you know, if I can book a camping trip in my follicular phase as opposed to the few days yeah. before I'm due to get my period, like, I fucking will. Like, <laughs> like, anyway, but yeah, and someone kind of made it sound like it was a negative thing and that really spun me. I was just like, like, oh God, I think it's a great thing. Like, once you understand your body yeah. and what she needs and when she works at her best versus when she needs rest and you start to really get in sync with that and be respectful of that, I think that's a really nice, nice place to be in as a female and that does even tap into that space that Paige works in as well with even that intuitive mm. eating like even what we were saying around our periods like we we know because we've done a lot of the work when you know and we're still works in progress we all are but you know like we know when we eat more and when to train more and when to fuel our bodies more versus when to back that off and just kind of you know, go with the ebbs and flows of what your body needs mm-hmm. so absolutely well yeah. I think that just about anyway. sums it up guys um do you want to quickly just on the spot and um, before we wrap this up, because we've got to go very, very soon, Chris has got a client, mm. but um, mm. with one of our recommendations. Yeah. I was actually thinking about this this morning if we're going to do this. So it's not actual, it's not actually a product yeah. this time. I am just totally crushing on a smoothie that I'm making at the moment that I wanted to share and was inspired by one of my fave cafes, Groundhog Social down at Manly, but I've just been, I don't, they have an acai smoothie, but I just kind of, copied it but make it at home on my own and I don't have a size so it's not that but it's um and it's got protein and obviously but so when I'm getting back from my bike rides it's a scoop of vanilla protein powder mm-hmm. um so it's basically just a really nice summer just cold smoothie when you've done some you know stuff in the sun um so it's coconut water vanilla protein powder half a kiwi fruit quarter of a mango cheek a third of a frozen banana and a cup of berries blitzed mm. 
it's really like really it's kind of like tingly it's got the mango and the kiwi and the berries but the protein powder obviously because we all need protein after we train if you don't know that listen to one of our other podcasts <laughs> um, <laughs> um but yeah just i was doing like more milky smooth and stuff but yeah this is like nice just the best fresh. and because of the coconut water nice and fresh and just coming back from a nice big bike ride like when you because i'm you know along the waterfront being out in the sun and you just it's just it's beautiful oh, so that's my recommendation i love it my, yeah. yeah it's really good <laughs> I want to recommend it's been on my radar more of late and I've talked about it to clients maybe just because I've been going through all my recipe books so much. Um, Hugh Fernley Wittensall, Wittenhall. God, I probably bastardized his last name. He's from River Cottage. <laughs> a lot of you might know him from River Cottage. He's got a I know, shit I know load of cookbooks, but there's one called Light and Easy, which is a horrible name, but I don't think Light and Easy means the same in the UK as it means here. It is a bloody amazing cookbook if you are new to healthy whole food eating space. He wrote this book and put it together when he had a health scare and he changed up his diet. So it's kind of by someone who knows food, likes to eat just food sort of fresh and easy and they're not complicated recipes so Mm. oh my god it's such a good book there's so many recipes there's a lot of breakfast stuff and baking stuff one of my favorites ever is his chocolate brownies like freaking hell and it also is naturally pretty much gluten-free there's a lot of dairy-free um a lot of alternate grains but it's very it's very simplistic so if you're looking for something book wise for a bit of inspo in the kitchen give it a go bloody awesome make the brownies and actually you actually made me just think of i give a lot of client recipes like when people just need something to just shake their world up a bit like just for something different i love the donna hay fresh and light series Ah. like have you have you ever looked at that it doesn't sound as simplistic as what you're saying it's a little bit more complicated i have to say but just i love just looking at pictures for inspiration if i need something so sometimes i'll just jump on i'll be like i can make that i quickly skim the things and i'm like right healthy burgers with this and that it is (laughs) but yeah definitely definitely more recipe adaptions needed there if you're gluten and dairy free and it does have a lot it is a little bit more complicated than what you're talking about your sounds just nice and easy and healthy cool all right well thank you everyone for joining us if you've got any questions as always um specifically about this podcast you can hit us up um Mm. just either dm us through socials uh as always we'd love you to share this podcast on your socials and leave us a review all of the things Mm -hmm. otherwise we'll chat to you next time hey chat to you next time Bye. bye